Welcome to Stock Odds, Odds and End podcast. I'm Dave Singh here with Rob Friesen, getting ready for the week ahead. Good evening, Rob. How's everything? Too bad. We don't have a massive week for um, economic reports, but we do have still a heavy week for earnings. Um, that will tape, taper off a little bit later in uh, February, but um, still in a still busy week for earnings, so make sure you guys check all that. Uh, but let's quickly review kind of, you know, What's been happening up to this point? And you, I really recommend that you do this review on a Friday uh, or over the weekend to say, how did we end up? You know, what was all the contributing factors? Um, you know, what's the engines driving things? So in a nutshell, we had, and I've you've repeated this before, but in a nutshell, we had heavy tax loss selling in December. 30-day wash sale rule puts that into January. They were rebuying those same issues that were the most sold. We had some amazing performances. Now, remember, when something goes down 100% in one year, right? it takes 200% to get back to where it was, or it goes down 50%, it takes 100% to get back to where it was. So some of these numbers, when you see the performances, sound amazing, but they're still way below their highs. Um, and but we still have to look at, you know, how much the market moved, how much these stocks moved in the in a very short period of time, and say, you know, does it have the ability to continue, uh, or is it going to take a pause? And sometimes in February we get that pause, and it's happened, you know, in other years where January was reasonable and then February was softer. Um, Looking at how Friday uh, went, uh, our seasonality said the first Friday of February was supposed to be softer, and it did open down. Now, on an open-to-close basis, some of the markets were up open-to-close, but uh, close-to-close, they were down. So so that kind of went as, as it was expected. Um, but we had this backdrop of, you know, kind of, FOMO, fear of missing out, uh, getting back into tech, cyclical stocks. You know, some of the stocks on Friday that were up were, you know, um, retail at stores, stuff like that, apparel. Um, you know, we've seen big moves in semiconductors recently too, and um, and then the financials on Friday did uh, did pretty good. And then we have these weird things like. You know, Apple being up 2.44% on Friday and Microsoft being down 2.36%, right? Tesla being up 0.91. Um, then banks being up, JP Morgan, Wells Fargo, American Express was up 3.31%. Um, we had some oil stocks up, a lot of them down. So ConocoPhillips obviously has other issues with some of its properties, but down 2.87%, where Exxon was up 0.69%. So very, very mixed bag. Um, if we go into the groups uh, from Friday, we had energy uh, down slightly, financials only down slightly. Again, the tail of some of those financials really, really strong, but as a sector overall, just down slightly, but less than the market on a close-to-close -close basis, of course. Um, healthcare down slightly. Um, and then consumer cyclical was down significantly, 2.67. 
yet there was these stocks that opened down huge and rallied back, you know. So um, we had a we had an S&P list. Well, actually, all the lists had a bit of pressure on them on Friday, but our NASDAQ and S&P list didn't do very well. Um, I don't think there was that much wrong with the list itself. I think what was what the problem if you wanted to execute was you would be shorting uh, a lot of the discretionary and technology and things into a deep discount. So let's say the market's opening down 1%. The queues were opening down even more than that. Um, but like I think the uh, SPY was opening down, if I can remember, 1.39% or something. So if your stocks are opening down more than that and you're shorting them, then there is the risk that they slingshot back, that they try to fill the gap. Because if the there's only like in order for things to balance out, the spies would have to decline more, catch up to the stocks. But the stocks have generally higher betas. So, you know, that may not may not catch up at all in that sense if the market continues to slide. But if the slingshot back, those higher volatilities, those higher betas are going to work against you. And that's kind of what happened on Friday. The the list for our shorts, much of it was sort of okay from a close-to-close -close perspective, but because it opened down so much on the overnight gap that those things ripped, ripped up. Whereas our longs ended up not by being discretionary picked, but by the day before and how things kind of closed, the uh, stocks for that day were more defensive on the long side. Well, guess what? They opened up. Amgen opened up huge on a down day. Kimberly Clark opened up. Lilly opened up and so on. And so many of our longs opened up on a big down open in the market. Well, right, right there, there's a problem. Because you just paid premium over yesterday's close. And what are people going to do? They're going to go, well, hey, if the market starts coming back, I'm going to I'm going to rotate. I'm going to get out of defensive and put it into discretionary. I'm going to put it in a tech. And so many of these, uh, you know, risk on assets actually ripped up. So this was kind of one of those reversals that, because of the employment report, which knocked the market down. It was already trading down probably because of a little bit of expectancy leak of information. Seasonality was started. It was already trading down. And then the employment report knocked it down further. And then we had one of those events where it rallied back to fill the gap. And we know that the high probability of gaps being filled. So we had that expectation realized. Well, with that gap fill, many of the stocks that opened down way more than the market rallied back to try to fill their own personal gaps. And that from open to close put pressure on our shorts, whereas our longs, all they had to do is stay the same or pull back a little bit uh, from their premium open. And you can see the problem on an open to close basis. You are not uh, 
going to end well. So there wasn't, structurally, there wasn't much wrong with the list. Execution-wise, there's a problem because if you did it all at market orders, you got what you got. You sold into the hole and you bought above the previous close for the stocks on most of the defensive ones. And then open the close, that worked against you as it was one of those gap-filled days. So what could you do differently? You could um, you know, have also, I always recommend having one list that you generate for risk on, one list that you generate for risk off, and a neutral sort of very uh, diversified quantitative type list that could be for the inside days, you know, the non-events, you know, you don't have a big engine driving things. So on the risk on day, right, you can have, you can have a, a down open and you want to deploy your risk on stuff because you, you get everything on sale. Everything's at a great discount. On a big up day, maybe you want to deploy the risk off because things are opening at such a premium that if you're selling some of those um, stocks that people just have to own and have to and pay way too much at the open, you're going to get a beautiful mean reversion uh, from that. So uh, just think about these different approaches. The second thing is making sure that you um, choose the price of your participation by using limit orders. Um, had that been done on Friday, it didn't necessarily make the list positive, but it was almost break even, right? So no damage done, let's say, because you only got filled on about a quarter of your positions. And you know what? I would rather have a day where nothing is, you know, we didn't get what we wanted. We didn't get all 20 stocks on. We only got five of them and maybe hedge with the spy or whatever. I'd rather have that and have like non-performance than I would lose a lot of money. So it's why the execution is so critical on how you do this stuff. All right. And uh, moving on here into where do things sit now after that week that we had where you know, January, a lot of risk on, a lot of FOMO, a lot of, uh, you know, trying to rebuy these things that got beat up last year. We saw some great performances. The market was also been very, very hopeful that the Fed is going to start to go easy on us. And in fact, Powell's uh, talk on Wednesday was a little bit more accommodative, a little bit more dovish. But then, the employment report on Friday changed the perspective, especially from the bond traders, because the bonds sold off, which meant rates are rising. And we have a probability now of 61.8% for a May rate hike. And it went up from 30%. So on Thursday, it was only 30% chance of a rate hike in May. Now we've gone to 61.8. Uh, so, and that's in addition to the one that's already fully priced in for March. 
So, uh, you know, the economic report signaling something different than we heard on Wednesday. But now you could say, Powell didn't actually say he's going to go easy. It's just the market has been interpreting his, the longer he talks, the more accommodative or a dovish she actually is. You know, that's the interpretation that the market's taking away from it. Um, so we uh, we could have an interesting uh, lull week here next week. Could be a lull week, and um, after the big rally we've had, we it would be right to be defensive, you know, and make sure that uh, we're not exposed too much after this. And of course, we could be still wrong. I mean, the market may want to continue to buy everything. That's its prerogative. But um, anyway, I'm going to circle over to Dave here, um, and we'll come we'll come back and look at where the markets are before we end here. But Dave, what are the economic reports and some of the highlighted earnings uh, for this week? Yeah, in terms of economic reports, it's a little bit light this week. Um, and Tuesday, Federal um, Chair Jerome Powell speaking at the Economic Club of Washington. So anytime he speaks, that could uh, move the markets. And then throughout right. the rest of the week, there is some Fed speak here and there. A wholesale inventories on Wednesday, initial jobless claims on Thursday, uh, consumer sentiment on Friday. So not as heavy as it was last week, but there is some banter there. And then there are tons of earnings still. So Monday, Tuesday, we have just many symbols uh, each day. Um, um, on Tuesday, we have uh, Chipotle. On Wednesday, we have Disney. And Friday, we have PayPal. So those are some of the noteworthy ones. But then throughout the week, there's just tons of regular um, Royal Caribbean and VF Corp. And you, you name it, there's a whole bunch of earnings. So whatever you are trading, you have to cross-check every day in terms of earnings. Um, and in terms of um, seasonality, we're not um, in a window right now for anything in terms of the album neck, mid-month seasonality will be far off next week, and we've just come off that first week. So it is kind of a low week, and Februarys do have kind of a burst in the middle of the month, but um, softest in the beginning and, and towards the end. Okay. Um, so moving over to the U.S. dollar, we did have two big rally days. Thursday and Friday. Okay, so the dollar moved up. The same thing with bonds moving down. And so the US dollar was up, the euro was down, Japanese yen was down, um, some of the commodity based countries like Australia and Canada were down, New Zealand was down as well in terms of their currency. The bonds, again, were down, signaling rates are adjusting again to more upside. So this impacted our metals. So gold had two strong days down. Um, silver, platinum, copper as well starting to roll over. So copper at the beginning of this year was, was pretty... Um, I mean, it, it, the way it moved was like we were discounting recession entirely, uh, that there's not going to be a recession. We're just going to have a really soft landing. 
Um, but in the middle of the month, it kind of turned and started to roll over again. So um, maybe that recession argument is back on the table a little bit, even though Powell signaled that they should be able to handle this tackling inflation and not bring about a significant recession. So uh, the bonds tend to disagree a little bit. U.S. dollar uh, tends to disagree a little bit. Copper tends to disagree a bit. So if the dollar continues to rally, then um, we're going to see more pullback on gold after its amazing rally all the way from November until just the last two days. So where we're at right now with the um, Dow Jones down 79 points or 0.23 percent. S&P 500 down 13.75 points or 0.33 percent. So again, we had that pretty big move from the end of the year, uh, beginning of January, all the way up to just recently Wednesday and then um, or Thursday even, sorry. And then uh, Friday we pulled back slightly and now we're down a little bit lower than that. NASDAQ down 48.5 points or 0.38% and Russell down uh, minus 8.4 or 0.42%. So of the th four markets right now, the Russell is the weakest on it from the futures then the NASDAQ, then the S&P 500, and then the Dow Jones. So what does that signal? That signals more of a defensive risk-off sentiment. And with a lull week, that could be the case. If we go to currently where bonds are at, uh, the 10-year is slightly down, 30-year as well, 5-year and the two-year all slightly down. Um, the 10-year is actually down 0.15%. And uh, looking at the currencies at the moment, the US dollar is up 0.18%. So all that stuff we mentioned is at the moment, now it could change by the morning, but at the moment is signaling, leaning towards maybe the, the rally is going to take a bit of a pause that's that's what i'm looking at here energy where are we at with oil here now there's a big difference between how the stocks are performing sometimes and how crude prices themselves but crude is up just slightly at 0.12 percent um brent crude up 0.24 so west texas is uh, the 0.12 uh, and uh brent is 0.24 so up double that um yeah and gold gold is up 0.69% right now so, so we'll have to see how this relates to to the dollar dollar's just up slightly gold's up a little bit more percentage wise we'll have to see but it had granted it had two big down days in a row so i even if you had a bit of exposure to basic materials, including gold and silver, I don't know that you would take it on the chin because you've already had a two two masks of discounted days. So I wouldn't worry too much about that exposure, even if the dollar, um, you know, goes up a bit. I don't know. I don't know that it's going to negatively impact the metals, at least for tomorrow. 
So hope that helps. Um, we covered it all. Anything else? That's it for, for now. We had a pretty big earthquake hit uh, Turkey, 7.8, looks like. That was uh, earlier today here. No, lots of things going on, eh? All right, well, we'll let you guys go. That was a pretty good uh, lengthy presentation here. So uh, we'll catch you next week. Thanks, good luck.